Hello and welcome to the UBP podcast. My name is Peter Kinsella and I'm the Global Head of FX Strategy at UBP. Today we're going to be looking at gold and I'm delighted to be joined by John Reed, who's the Chief Market Strategist at the World Gold Council. And today John's going to give us, um, I hope, uh, a very big update on what's happening and, and all that's topical in gold. And we'll certainly be able to, um, you know, to, to give our investors and indeed everybody else a pretty clear idea of what's going on in the gold market. So, uh, John, thanks very much for joining uh, the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you, Peter. And thanks for the opportunity to talk about my favorite and some would say the only topic of conversation that I have. Yeah, yeah, it's been, um, I, I guess you've had a very, very busy 18 months. It's been uh, been a crazy period for, uh, for gold bugs like yourself. Yeah, it has been. Um, and look, I mean, that's that's to be welcome, to be honest, because working from home with 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 not much going on would have been quite awkward but uh no i don't think i've i've worked as many hours um in the last 18 months as i have since the to be frank the last bull market in gold which was uh around the global financial crisis so it's been it, it's been good there's been lots lots of news lots happening and uh and it's great to be able to discuss some of these things with you today indeed indeed yes it's it's, it's, it's been an interesting one and, and certainly one that i, I know we you know many many clients and many investors around the world have been very heavily I would say interested and in some cases invested in gold. And I suppose really I'd like to ask you kind of a question of what, what do you make of the recent price rise in gold? Where, you know, at the beginning of April, late March, we were trading just below seventeen hundred dollars per ounce. We've now sort of, you know, um uh risen to levels in around eighteen fifty. And what what's your take on that? What do you think is driving that recent rise in the gold price? Well, I mean, I, I think there's a number of factors going on here which have which have change sentiment towards gold i think you know the most obvious one the one from financial markets that i pay attention to most frequently is uh, real us interest rates so the fact that we've seen real us 10-year yields uh, heading lower or more negative um over the last six to eight weeks has certainly helped um the gold price i i think though there's there's some flows as well not just financial market drivers but the flows in, involved have changed as well we saw gold perform very well last year, of course, up about 25% in, in US dollar terms. And it peaked quite early on, so beginning of August, really. Um, and then came under selling pressure late in the year um, when it became apparent that the, the vaccines that we'd all been waiting for were coming quickly uh, and the world could start to look beyond the coronavirus pandemic. Um, now, what what I hear uh, took place around that period is that people started to reassess their, their their outlook for the global economy, position themselves more into risk assets, reflationary trades, and took some money off the table in gold. And I think what we've seen from about the beginning of November 2020, right the way through till, I, don't, I guess, middle of April, is we've seen that being reflected in, uh, uh, in investors taking profits on positions and, and reducing gold allocations and moving into other risky assets. That seems to have changed. So from the second half of April, we saw the uh, the, the selling most easily tracked by our daily ETF holdings that we, we keep an eye on. Um, that slowed and then reversed. And even though April as a whole saw outflows, uh, May we, we're now seeing some reasonably healthy inflows coming into the ETF space. Um, and and I, again, I think it's a uh, it's an indication that the the profit taking, the reallocations that were, that started, you know, in the fourth quarter of last year, probably come to a bit of an end now. So sentiment's much better towards gold, um, 
and, uh, and and we've seen the price trading higher for the last six weeks or so. Certainly, and I guess really, you know, if we look at the, the real yield discussion that, that you mentioned in the States, um, we have a combination here of the US 10-year bond yield, which, you know, which rose to levels of around 1.7%, uh, 1.8% in kind of uh, February, March of this year. And since, since then, it's come off somewhat, trading in around 1.6%. Um, from my side, when we saw the re most, most recent US CPI data, which printed around 4.2% year on year on the headline and 3% on the core measure, it kind of indicates that certainly we are seeing a resurgence in inflation, albeit you know, due to base effects and the Fed hopes sure. is, a tra is a transitory um, a tra transitory phenomenon. Um, but certainly, I think from, from my side, if, 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 for example, we see the Fed turning around and saying, OK, we think this inflation is transitory, i.e. we're not going to raise rates in, in, in response to this, that's surely a, a benign or indeed a constructive environment for Bill to continue performing over the coming months, don't you think? Yeah, I think it is, uh, although the markets will try and second guess the Fed changing their mind regularly. So would I be would I be surprised if I see real yields heading higher into uh, into important Fed meetings? Ab absolutely not. Um, ultimately, this is a call on will the Fed stick to what the Fed has said it's going to do, which is ignore any uh, transitory or short term inflation spike. Uh, and even once that short term spikes out the way, will it allow the economy to run hot um, for a while? I'm not quite sure how long a while would be, but uh, is it basically prepared to keep monetary policy very accommodative until the economy is operating more or less at full capacity again? So if the Fed sticks with what it says it's going to do, um, that's an environment that should uh, be pretty good for, for gold investment. And at the same time as well, we're seeing as the as the global economy recovers, we're seeing consumer demand for gold. So in the jewelry categories and the uh, um, in the technology category, and both of those were really weak last year, lowest numbers we've seen for jewelry demand ever, um, and, and a sharp fall off in the, in, in in gold's technology demand. Those are bound, beginning to bounce back. Now, the one big caveat I would say here is is that India was a, a decent component of the bounce back that we saw in jewelry demand in the first quarter. That's not going to be repeated in, in the second quarter, we believe, simply because of the uh, um, the, the the second wave that they're suffering of a, of a very nasty coronavirus outbreak. But assuming and hopefully for India's sake, as, as well as gold demand, hopefully that proves also to be transitory. And we could be talking about a much better consumer demand number this year, together with uh, uh, with investment trends, which will be supported by, I would expect, uh, the actions or inactions of the Fed. And I mean, it's, it's definitely very interesting to see what, what you're saying about the consumer side, where we are seeing a resurgence in demand. And, and I guess that does tally with wider narrative of, you know, consumers who've built up lots of savings over the last 12 or 18 months, and then now being able to, to go and, and sort of suspend that. So, you know, it certainly does tally with what the central banks are telling us in terms of, a big growth pickup in the second and third quarters of this year. So it, it definitely makes sense. But I, I guess my question for you now is, is more so on the investor side. So last year we saw lots of investors getting out of paper gold and buying sort of physical gold, mm. right? Um, and this was particularly evident in the summer of last year, in June, July, and August last year. Um, have those cha trends changed? Is that still an ongoing issue in your view? Is it going to come back? What's, what's, uh, what, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's one that that I've been mulling over. I mean, 
particularly when you're talking paper gold, if you're talking futures contracts, the dislocation that took place between the the over-the-counter physical gold market in London and the Comex futures market last year did result in a, in in lower trading volumes, lower open interest, really just lower participation in the Comex futures market than you would normally have expected to see when gold was marching towards its all-time highs. Um, now, the big dislocation that took place was the price dislocation. So the, the differential between the COMEX futures market and the and the OTC market really widened. Um, and the cost of rolling uh, futures got really expensive as well because of a lack of liquidity in the uh, effectively in the bank market, which is the other side of the investors positions. So the spread in the price has come in and it's actually come back to I haven't checked for the last couple of days, but it came back to basically flat. Um, in fact, the OTC market was trading uh, at a dollar above uh, the futures market um, about a month ago when I was looking at this in more detail. So that's that's very much back to a mo much more normal range. Volumes have picked up a bit on COMEX. Um, I updated that spreadsheet a couple of days ago. So yeah, that, they picked up a bit and speculative positions for a managed money uh, that we see from the Commitment of Traders report, the COTR report uh, from the CFTC, showed about a 92 ton increase in the week to last Tuesday. So gold was moving higher, but hadn't, you know, obviously got to the levels that it's got in the last couple of days. So I think there's some evidence there that COMEX is beginning to show signs that it is over the dislocation issues that it had. Now, that makes sense in a way. Um, one of the reasons why the price is dislocated, because there were concerns about being able to manufacture the bars in the right size and then get them into New York, um, and therefore risk positions that were run, basically mismatched positions, long long OTC, short futures had to be unwound. And that caused all, all of the chaos we saw last year. But what, what did happen after that is that a tremendous amount of gold was delivered into New York, um, which then allowed these risk positions to be run again. So I think some of the underlying causes of the uh, of that dislocation, uh, being refinery shutdowns and, and, and travel difficulties, uh, have gone away. Um, and there's gold in New York now. So I think we will probably see the COMEX market continue to slowly improve in terms of investor participation, but also risk appetite from the banks who, who hold the other side of that trade. It'll take a while, though. If you think about a risk manager and the way that he looks at um, how much capital and the charge of that capital for a business, you know, uh, he won't just be looking at what the state of the market now. He'll be looking at his history. And in the history, there is this big dislocation that exists there. And it's going to take a while for that history to sort of roll out of his radar screen. But so it'll take a few years, I think, to get to back to absolutely normal. But there are certainly encouraging signs so far. Nevertheless, though, coin demand remains healthy. Uh, and investment bar demand, uh, which is much more an emerging market phenomena, uh, that really improved in the first quarter of this year as the emerging market demand for gold jewelry increased as well. So we're in a situation where d demand for physical gold in bars and coins remains healthy. And I expect that to continue, even if COMEX does slowly recapture where it was before. Sure. And I mean, one, one kind of related question we'll have is, is just in relation to regulation. And I'm sure it's a question you've gotten a lot in, in recent months is this uh, the change in the Basel III criteria regarding um, valuation of gold and bank's balance sheet, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and for our listeners, what, what this basically means is that um, the new Basel III criteria um, imply that banks basically um, no longer have to um, apply a huge haircut to their gold positions any longer, um, or certainly for paper gold. And that basically means that, uh, in a sense, um, the gold that they have on their balance sheets will basically swell the value of their balance sheets, in a sense. 
So they've you know they may have an incentive, I would say, to, to hold less or lower short positions. Uh, but what are your, your your views on this? Do you think it's going to have a significant market effect, or what's your view? Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few things coming in. I mean, the one that that most concerns me is is the uh, the so-called NSFR. Um, which is going to increase the the capital cost of holding gold uh, on banks' balance sheets uh, considerably. So they'll have to set aside a lot more capital um, to um, to engage in gold trading and clearing activities. And uh, there's recently been a submission made by the LBMA uh, in conjunction with the World Gold Council to the PRA um, in the UK to 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 try and get some waiver for the banking industry because there is concerns that if you're going to make it more expensive to trade and hold gold. Then liquidity will uh, be, be put under pressure, and 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 potentially even the viability uh, of trading. I mean, we're we're doing a lot of work looking at this at the moment, and uh, and there's certainly lots of conjecture out there. What I would say is one market-derived uh, measure of how much this is going to impact gold uh, businesses is to look at what um, gold interest rates, gold swap rates, basically are doing. And there's no sign, actually, of, of, of any particular moves in, 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 in the gold interest rate market. Um, I've been watching these fairly carefully. I was updating a spreadsheet on them this morning just to see whether there's any signs of the tensions of any of these changes that are coming, uh, having in gold. And, and so far, there's none. So perhaps because the banks have known about all these changes coming for, for quite a while, perhaps they've prepared for it and, and indeed it'll, it'll pass as a, as a bit of a non-event. Um, I've heard the stories... Um, how Basel III actually helps gold trading and, 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 and how it will be beneficial. Our understanding is, is that the imposition of NFSR is far more important and potentially negative. But so far, the mark, at least the markets, the lease rate market is, is showing us that, that there's no particular concerns there at the moment. Okay, that, that's definitely good to hear. And, and I suppose really that brings me back to kind of a, a further, um, I would say, consideration. Um, in light of everything that's happening, you know, both on the, on the regulation side, from the investor demand side and indeed the consumer side. Um, how do you view gold's sort of value in terms of overall portfolio diversification? Do you think it still holds? Has anything changed? What's 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 your overall view there? No, I don't think anything's changed, to be honest. I feel, still think it makes excellent sense to have an allocation to gold in portfolios. We've probably since the last time we've spoken, we've actually looked at even more portfolios in other countries and other currencies. And and it keeps coming back to depending on the currency you're talking about, depending on what is in the rest of the portfolio, somewhere between 5 and 10% uh, allocation to gold at a strategic level. So something you buy and hold, it helps increase the risk-adjusted returns of that portfolio. And that's whether you look over the last 10 years of data or over the last 20 years of data. So I, I, the strategic case for gold hasn't changed. Um, the tactical case for gold has altered. There's no doubt about that. Um, we were in what was a pretty nasty global recession last year, and gold delivered about 25% returns and really helped uh, portfolios. Um, this year, we're underperforming uh, other assets, and, and, and year-to-date performance is actually negative. Um, what we found is looking at previous reflationary periods, so in other words, the, the period immediately after the U.S. recession's end, that's actually fairly typical. Other assets tend to do best first uh, as people are strapping on risk and playing for the economic recovery. So for the first six to 12 months, gold can lag uh, historically the performance of other assets. 
Um, but over 24, 36 months, that lag falls away. So maybe what we've seen is the the early signs of uh, of a reflationary trade um, hitting sentiment and, and an appetite to hold gold from by investors. Um, but we suspect that uh, that should be that should be uh, short lived. Certainly, if, if the future is anything like the past. So certainly, yeah, it's definitely a point I would agree with. I think, you know, when I hear sort of you know some institutional investors and in showing some concern about gold. I kind of um, remind them of the fact that it would take a return to sound money principles, you know, positive real interest rates in the states and indeed the eurozone and elsewhere, in order to reverse, you know, the the, the trend that we've seen in, in in gold recently. And indeed, that's something I, I just don't see happening, you know, anytime soon. Um, you know, certainly not this side of Judgment Day. Um, one kind of final point that I'll I'll, I'll raise, and indeed, it's a, a question I've gotten, you know, quite a lot recently, has been. Um, do you think kind of gold has changed in, in the sense of along with the rising cryptocurrencies? You know, we, we saw some anecdotal data which suggested that some investors were selling gold and buying cryptocurrencies. Um, do we view cryptocurrencies as sort of a you know being a big risk to the gold market? What's what, what's your view there? Yeah, we've done a lot of work on it as well, as you can imagine. It's it's, it's topics that have come up in in conversations with investors, conversations with um, with journalists all the time. Certainly, because the cryptocurrency community do like to say um, that Bitcoin, for example, is like a new version of gold, gold 2.0, etc. I'm definitely neutral on on this one. But what I would say is that all the work we've done shows that they're very different. Um, There's no doubt that if you had had gold uh, or cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin in your portfolio um, over the last five years, you'd have done you know, it would have improved the risk adjusted return of, of both portfolios, you know, depending whether you had gold or whether you had Bitcoin. But it's done it in very different ways. By putting gold in a portfolio, you've had returns, um, but you've also had diversification benefits, which which lower the portfolio volatility. So they increase the risk adjusted returns um, by making the portfolio safer and, and giving it some defensive characteristics when when equity markets weaken. If you look at putting Bitcoin or other um, uh, crypto assets into a portfolio, they've increased the risk adjusted return by increasing the risk. Now, sorry, increasing the return, which you know, increasing returns is great. I mean, that, that's one of the things you want, but it hasn't given you any true diversification. It's increased the risk of the portfolio. And in fact, it's really like putting on a leverage bet on high growth or high beta NASDAQ stocks. So you add, if you add Bitcoin to a portfolio, you have effectively increased your bet on the FANG stocks. Well, that's fine, uh, but do understand what you're doing. And in a way, the way, way we tend to think about it is if something has equity-like um, characteristics in terms of correlations, then you should be looking to diversify some of that risk away. And the thing you diversify it, it into, the best diversifier that we've identified is having some gold. So in a way, cryptocurrencies and gold complementary. So if you do have crypto assets, and, I, and we're talking on a day when I've seen the low in Bitcoin today has just been below $30,000 per unit. Um, and uh, and it's, so it's certainly demonstrating the volatility characteristics that I've spoken about, then having uh, an allocation to gold would have helped um, that portfolio. Um, and uh, as I say, that's why we say that they're very different assets. But again, yeah. I, make no, I make no recommendations about crypto assets. It's yeah. it's not an area of expertise. I've spent quite a lot of time looking at them and scratching my head. And 
but uh, I wouldn't call myself an expert at all. Indeed, I kind of think one of the issues about uh, you know cryptos as such is that from a an investment perspective, given the volatility profile that they have, you can only allocate very very small portions to a portion sure. portfolio, right? And I think this is one of the the issues I have when I when I listen to this um, dichotomy of oh, is crypt are cryptos the new gold? I say, well, yeah, fine, but institutions invest, you know, um, with bearing risk and volatility considerations in mind, you know, and that's pretty much at the forefront of your thinking. And consequently, um, you know, given the, the, the volatility profile, I mean, Bitcoin's three month implied vol is, is trading somewhere around 100, 120%, I guess. Gold probably more today. Probably, yeah. probably more today. Um, whereas gold is trading in around 14%. So, mm. you know, with those kind of considerations, it does limit the amount that an institution can put into a, um, a crypto on, you know, a, 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 as a gold replacement trade. Uh, if you if you get my drift, so yeah, I think sure. definitely it's it's somewhat somewhat limited. Um, that's fantastic, John. I mean, look, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um, thank you very very much indeed for for coming on uh, today's podcast. And uh, yeah, to all of our listeners, thank you very much indeed for listening. Thank you very much, Peter.